Do you want to build a stronger army and a stronger regiment? A regiment that can impact civilian communities to achieve U.S. global objectives? Are you ready to arm our soldiers today to win the first battle of the next war? As an Army reservist and civil affairs specialist, you are armed with diverse and extraordinary experiences as a soldier and as a civilian. You know the path to enduring victory leads through the everyday people of this world. The mothers, fathers, the daughters and sons caught in the struggle for their future. You shape that future through every encounter. The National Training Center needs your experience to prepare our soldiers, your brothers and sisters, for whatever tomorrow brings. Are you ready to shape the future? Accepting ADOS applicants now. For more information, email ntc.ghostteam at gmail.com. With Tesla Government's Knowledge Management Solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. LC38brand.com, the civil affairs lifestyle brand. A little bit of something for everybody. T-shirts, polos, shorts, hats, flags, posters for your walls, and stickers for everything else. Items for citizen soldiers of USA KPOC and warrior diplomats at Fort Bragg alike. LC38brand.com. It's cool to like your job. valuable thing I think is that Ghost Team pulled all of NTC's information related capabilities, at least the OCTs and planners, into a single team with a team leader that has a direct line to NTC senior leaders, the same as every other team leader out there, all of the line battalion uh, teams and there's a couple other types of critter teams we have out here. And uh, those information capabilities like civil affairs and psyops just didn't have that exposure or influence prior to Ghost Team. So I think it's been a really positive step. Hi, and welcome to the 1C8 Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. And our guest today is Major John Burns. He's the Civil Military Operations Trainer and Operations Officer for Ghost Team at the National Training Center. The previous civil affairs assignments for Major Burns include serving as the G9 of the 13th Expeditionary Sustainment Command at Fort Hood, Texas, Commander of Echo Company at the 83rd Civil Affairs Battalion, CMOC Chief, for the Echo Company at 83rd CA Battalion, Team Chief for CAT 723 in Bravo Company 97th CA Battalion, and Assistant Operations Officer for the 92nd Civil Affairs Battalion. His CA deployments include the SIMC, the Civil Military Support Element Cambodia, and supporting U.S. Pacific Fleet in Pacific Partnership 2017 and 2018. Major Burns, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, John. It's uh, it's really great to be here. I've uh, been a longtime listener of the 1CA podcast, and uh, I'm finally uh, really happy to be here to help contribute to the overall discussion. Well, thank you for your time, and I understand you're between rotations. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about what happens at NTC, but um, can you briefly tell people, now that you're in between these rotations, how many rotations you guys have a year and how long they normally last? Yeah, so a rotation at the National Training Center is 14 training days. Uh, I think that's important to note that does, does not mean you're only here for 14 days. Uh, there's RSO and I, so your reception staging, uh, onward movement integration phase that happens. And uh, while we as OCTs really count about five of those days, for most units here, uh, that can be up to two, even three weeks if you come in on torture advon. Uh, and then you've got to get ready to leave too. It's not like when you know we call index, everybody just packs up their tanks and and weapons and and goes off into the sunset. Uh, so it's a process. You have to uh, both build combat power on the way in, uh, fight, right, win, and then you've got to you've got to get all that combat power back out, just like you would on a real deployment. 
And the overall number of rotations a year, uh, right now, anywhere from eight to 10 uh, rotations per year in the, in the coming fiscal years. Okay. I'm wondering if you could frame for listeners um, what the National Training Center is all about. If you could go back to the beginning, when it all started, and what does the Army use the NTC for today? Yeah, that's a great question. So Fort Irwin started as an anti-aircraft range back in the 1940s uh, in support of training for World War II. And this training ground just south of Death Valley, California, has adapted with every major conflict since then. In October 1980, uh, the Department of the Army designated Fort Irwin as a national training center. And in October 1981, the 1st Maneuver Battalion arrived to test its mettle. No pun intended for those who get the joke. For over 40 years and 400 rotations, our 1,200 square mile training area known as the box has prepared maneuver elements for the rigors of combat. It puts soldiers and units through a crucible experience. And I think that's really important. This is the toughest training you're gonna get in the army, preparing you for combat. And that crucible experience will expose weakness, but at the same time, provide the coaching and opportunities to work to overcome that. Uh, and in that, in that way, and this you know might sound uh, a little patronizing, but it's not just a national training center, but it's also a national treasure because it's something a lot of other militaries don't have. Uh, and it really does give us an advantage to getting you to practice combined arms maneuver. Uh, and now I say, you know, combined arms, not just in our traditional arms, but combined arms in the information space as well, uh, right here before a unit has to deploy. Yeah, that's a big deal. And we're going to get into those details about combined arms and, and what you guys do on the ghost team. I'm wondering if you could talk about the, the acronym OCT. Um, observer, coach, trainer, what that means and how they're divided into teams. Um, maybe frame it for people who have never been to NTC, have never come across an OCT. So an OCT is, as you already defined, it's an observer, coach, and trainer. And they're really the keys to successful training here at the National Training Center. OCTs are responsible for partnering with the rotational unit from the platoon to the brigade level. And they observe the unit's operation throughout their time here at the National Training Center, take notes on the progress of the mission, and guide and coach as needed. And of course, you know, ultimately, we also act as safeties uh, because nobody should die here at the National Training Center. It is training. Uh, and we want to make sure you have the safest training, safest training iteration possible. OCTs, I want to leave you kind of is. OCTs are partners. So sometimes units will come and they'll look at us with our God guns and, you know, our, our OCT uniform, and they almost look at us like we're some sort of adversary that they have to fight. You know, we're not the adversary. We're here to partner with you. Black Horse, our professional op for, they're the adversary. Uh, so just remember when you get here, OCTs are your partner. We're here to train you and we want to be successful with you. Uh, OCTs are assigned based on their experience and training and are tasked with improving the rotational unit through coaching and those very thoughtful AARs that you'll get throughout the rotation and then at the end. Uh, you know, overall, it's a really fulfilling job. OCTs watch units progress and individuals grow and really some of the most grueling scenarios the Army can throw at a unit, at least uh, from a collective training perspective. And we do this side-by-side -side rotation after rotation. Right when when your unit is out there in the box, our OCTs are out there with you. You have constant coverage, uh, and so you really do, you know, start to get a lot out of watching the RTU grow because everybody grows uh, at the National Training Center. And I like to think of OCTs as really the beating hearts of those teams that train, and then the National Training Center itself. I've been there three times. It works really, really well. Uh, it's a well-oiled machine, and it's great to see the, the OCTs. The various teams, including Ghost, the coordination that has to happen amongst the OCTs to cover because operations are going on at, at times 24 hours a day. And um, you guys need a rest too. And it, it's really fascinating to see that, that the coordination, like, hey, I've got to go back to pick up supplies or whatever. Somebody else is going to cover you and watch your operations for the next six to eight or 12 hours. And um, if you have questions as a rotational training unit, OCTs are really, really helpful in, in going through and guiding you on, on the CA perspective and IO, obviously, and, and PSYOP about um, how you're going to meet your training objectives and guiding you along the way, letting you fail at times, which is really, really good. And that's why we want to do it in a safe environment. But yeah, I can emphasize everything you just talked about. Major Burns, one of the things that you mentioned is the, uh, the God gun. So people who have not been there, what are you referring to? 
Yeah, so the God Gun, it's, uh, for most of us, we carry this pistol, but it's blue. Uh, it doesn't shoot real bullets, it shoots lasers. And as, as many of us do know, but if you haven't been to the National Training Center or another combat training center, uh, we have this system called Miles, and it's essentially a giant laser tag, uh, right? We, a lot of us played with laser tag as kids, or you know, some of us have kids that play with laser tag. Well, this is a really advanced system of laser tag, but the God Gun is the OCT's ability to help adjudicate uh, kills near misses or bring people back to life in that laser tag game. Uh, and so it's it's kind of a mark of OCTs when you've got your God Gun. Uh, and it's something that when the RTU sees it, they know what it's all about. But again, I don't want you to make I don't want to make you feel like or the listeners feel like we're the bad guys. Most of the time when OCT uses that God gun, it's actually for resurrect, right? Because after you're, you know, if you are to be killed in that giant laser tag game uh, by by Black Horse, we need to reset that system. Uh, and so that God gun doesn't only give us the ability to adjudicate a kill, but it also gives us the ability to reset that system, bring you back to life so you can continue training. That's a good point. Uh, so let's talk now about the ghost team. Great name, by the way. Awesome, awesome name. Uh, great logo. How did that come about? How did this evolution from these other teams become ghost? Yeah, so first, let's let's start at the beginning of where we even get our name from. So ghost team is named after the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops, activated in January of 1944 as a unit meant to deceive the Germans as the Allies moved back onto the European continent. The Ghost Army, as the unit was called, employed artists, actors, admin, architects, and engineers, people who could think outside the box to achieve the mission. They used tools such as inflatable tanks and sound trucks and theater-quality sets to create illusions of a sizable army element in order to distract the Germans from the main effort. Uh, over and over again. They got inside the Germans' decision-making cycle by just never allowing them to completely understand what uh, U.S. and Allied plans were going to be. So that's where we got our heritage from. But fast forward to more recent history. So when my previous boss, Lieutenant Colonel Christopher Wilson, a really talented I.O. officer, arrived at NTC in July 2020, he sat down with then-Colonel, now Brigadier General Mike Simmering, the commander of operations group at the time. They discussed the option of creating an information operations team and breaking up the old paradigm of having CA, PSYOP, cyber electromagnetic activities, public affairs, as well as space split among various other critter teams here at the National Training Center, and instead moving them into a single team that would focus on information operations. It's really an unprecedented move. Uh, nobody else did this at the time, and to this day, nobody else has done it yet. But NTC's leadership understood that modern warfare called for a change, and the NTC was going to lead that change. That is how Ghost Team was born just a few months later after that conversation. And by September of 2020, Ghost logos were painted on the side of Humvees, and Lieutenant Colonel Wilson led a group of OCTs on a pretty cool experiment that is unique to this training center here in the Mojave Desert. That's really, really cool. And a shout out to, uh, he's going to love this, but uh, Sergeant First Class Dion Lupke, who was I've had the, the fortunate um, experience of training with him in the 492 CA Battalion. He got to go out there as an OCT and again, plug in for people listening to, to volunteer to do that, but was fortunate to be a part of this GOAT team uh, evolution and, and saw the value of it. Makes total sense within use of KPOC where I'm serving. We have CA, PSYOP, and IO in the same command. A lot of that happens in the first Special Forces Command. So I'm glad this, this step was taken. Um, can you tell already, Major Burns, whether Ghost Team has been a positive step forward for NTC? Yeah, absolutely. But first, let me go back to you know the guy you just talked about, Sergeant Lubke. So I did not know him as an OCT. I got here slightly after he left. He was one of the early OCTs on Ghost Team. Uh, but I do know him as an RTU returning to the National Training Center after spending time on Ghost Team. And I will tell you, it was clear based on his maturity, his experience, that he had picked up a lot as a OCT here at the National Training Center. Uh, so yeah, absolutely awesome. And you know, I wanna talk more about the possibility of coming to the National Training Center as an OCT later, because I think it's a really great opportunity. Uh, but you know, back to your question, has Ghost Team been a positive step for NTC and, and really the Army? And I think you know, unquestionably, yes, right? If I could yell into this microphone, which I'm not gonna do, I would yell yes. Uh, but <laughs> Ghost team, you know, why, 
why is it positive step? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, I could go on for days about it. We're not going to because you have limited time. But Ghost Team at its core tests the rotational unit by making them compete in a contested information environment. You know, information operations to include information related capabilities like civil affairs and psyops has always been a key element to victory in any conflict. But we're ensuring, Ghost Team is ensuring that the rotational uh, unit cannot ignore it now, both by doing exercise control, providing some higher headquarters control, and also providing those OCTs who will coach, you know, ultimately towards victory here uh, in the Mojave. Uh, Ghost Team makes that information environment matter to commanders and staffs at Echelon. Prior to the team, everyone at NTC and PSYOP, PAO, Civil Affairs, SEMA, Space, and IO did great work. It just wasn't synchronized as well or resourced by a single entity who had the role of essentially an information coordinator for the Commander of Operations Group. Ghost Team brought that. By creating Ghost Team, we're able to quickly change the way we train to achieve information advantage in alignment with the COG and the NTC Commanding General's vision. And the really valuable thing, I think, is that Ghost Team pulled all of NTC's information-related capabilities, at least the OCTs and planners, into a single team with a team leader that has a direct line to NTC senior leaders, the same as every other team leader out there, all of the line battalion uh, teams, and there's a couple other types of critter teams we have out here. And uh, those information capabilities like civil affairs and psyops just didn't have that exposure or influence prior to Ghost Team. So I think it's been a really positive step. Good, good. And I, I think um, I want to emphasize something you talked about, which is ensuring that the rotational unit, the brigade really, and its battalions that are being tested cannot ignore these information-related capabilities or pieces of them. That's something that was certainly a big knock on, on rotations in the past, where the emphasis has really been on these um, brigade combat teams coming through, coming through and, and rightly so should be but um these so-called enablers that would be there like yeah we, that's not really our thing we don't care so much about that just you know provide security on the perimeter of what we have going on but having this integrated better into the scenario is is really a big deal so that's a lot of progress you've made but would you say that there are any refinements or continuing improvements that you're still making to ghost and what would you say they are yeah uh, absolutely right so we're never going to get it right ever, you know, 100%. So we're always growing. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I'm actually kind of excited about the team and the role I get to play on the team. So as we look, you know, we're still the newest team in the desert, about two years. We've just hit our stride and uh, we continue to improve every rotation. When we find some success in training, you know, training the RTU to compete in the information environment, we try not to just stop and kind of rest on our laurels. We bring in adjacent teams, the ops group staff, Black Horse, you know, which is, again, our world-class op for. And we ask everyone, how do we bring even more value to the training next rotation? Uh, people get excited, and training does get better. I mean, we just did this a couple of days ago. We probably had 30 people, only about 10 of whom were from Ghost Team, sitting in a room saying, how do we make information operations better here at the National Training Center? Why do we, or How do we make it have more meaning, not just to you know, the enablers, as you say, and I don't use that term in a derogatory way, because uh, we are enabling the BCT to do their mission, but how do we make it uh, matter for the BCT even more? You know, one example I can point to is the strides we've made, sorry, the strides we've made with training for operations in the consolidation area. People who came to NTC two or three years ago probably went through some sort of lanes training, right, where civil affairs teams or psyops, you know, you'd do your, uh, you do your lane walking through the village. There'd probably be an ambush set up. Everybody would have to react to contact. You'd do a KLE. These things were all just kind of, you know, go do the lane, get done, we'll hot wash it afterwards. And then, you know, everybody just resets or we'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah. You know, teams don't just go through pre-planned scenarios like that anymore uh, that happen the same time or the same way for every team, you know, every day. We have started going towards providing a more realistic and relevant training program. While the brigade goes to live fire, the civil affairs company forms a civil affairs task force. And if you dig into the new 3-57, you'll see that's a doctrinal organization. Uh, and under that task force is the CA company. We add the PSYOPs detachment. We'll oftentimes pull in uh, unit legal teams, unit ministry teams, and as available, electronic warfare, SIGIT elements, and any other enablers that want to get on this training. And we create a scenario very much related to what they've been experienced previously in force on force, uh, but it focuses on establishing civil security and facilitating civil control 
in this consolidation area, just to the rear of where the brigade's doing the live fire. Decisions ranging from task organization to the actions of teams and individuals now reverberate in a dynamic information environment, which challenges the task force to rapidly analyze the civil component of the environment, and develop courses of action to address instability, and ultimately, you know, to ensure the BCT's freedom of maneuver. I want to point out, no team goes through the same lane during this training. And then the information they gather through civil engagement, civil network development uh, and engagement, that information goes back to the CMOC, who then has to analyze it, do uh, civil knowledge integration, and then figure out how to approach that problem over the next couple of days, uh, which that's pretty unique. Not a lot of people do that. And I think it's kind of a unique, challenging training experience uh, that we provide here at the National Training Center. That sounds really cool. Big improvement over those lanes that were happening before. And really great to hear that you can't just pass along the notes to the next team going through the lane thinking, oh, this is going to be the same thing for you guys. Get ready for this ambush on the left side or whatever, that it builds on itself. And that's exactly the kind of stuff we go through when, when you qualify in CA as well. Well, we'll take a short break and we'll come back, continue our conversation with Major John Burns. He's the Senior Civil Military Operations Trainer and Ops Officer for Ghost Team at the National Training Center. We'll be right back. Everywhere you look, there's a barrage of emails and information telling you what everybody has done, is doing, or plans to do, all in excruciating detail. But access is only half the battle. You also need information presented in a usable form. But that takes work, and the more information you have, the more work it takes. Tesla government takes on these issues so that your office or agency can fully exploit the data you already have. Our knowledge management experts organize and curate your internal data. Our open source research augments your knowledge base with strategic insights from our globally experienced team. And our data visualization turns complex data into compelling visuals, while our community building makes sure everyone benefits by leveraging collective knowledge. With Tesla government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. LC38brand.com, the civil affairs lifestyle brand. Something for everyone. The world traveler, the civil engager, the warrior diplomat. We got t-shirts, polos, shorts, hats, flags and posters for your walls, and stickers for everything else. Celebrating the heritage of civil affairs, from the civil reconnaissance of Lewis and Clark through the monuments men of World War II and companies of Vietnam. Repping the present teams of the global war on terror, with items for citizen soldiers of use of KPOC and warrior diplomats at Fort Bragg alike. Collections include suits and shoots for fans of jumping out of airplanes and looking good, Pineland to remember your trip to the People's Republic, and Lewis and Clark to honor the two party animals who popularized huge DTS vouchers. You want Pipox? We got Pipox. New items all the time. Custom flags, stickers, and shirts? Send us an email. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at LC38Brand or contact us at info at LC38Brand.com. LC38brand.com. It's cool to like your job. Welcome back to the 1CA podcast. Our guest today is Major John Burns. He's with Ghost Team at the National Training Center. And the first half of the show, we talked a lot about background of NTC, uh, what OCTs, observer coach trainers do, the history of Ghost Team going back to 2020, and how it's evolved since then. I want to focus now on the, the CA teams and companies that go through rotations. Some listeners may have participated in rotations. Um, myself, I went through three of them, and uh, some were heavy on stability operations. Now we've gone through and uh, we're focusing more on near peer competition. We're certainly focused on scenarios that are built toward um, Russia and China and North Korea. What would you say is the flavor of NTC rotations today? And how do you see civil affairs providing value to maneuver battalions and brigades who were the main focus of NTC rotations? Yeah, I, I love this discussion. And it's another one where we could go on for hours and days. So I'll, uh, I'll cut myself short. If I start babbling, you please cut me short. But uh, okay pretty passionate about this stuff. So at NTC right now, the bottom line is we're focused on training brigades 
to win in large-scale combat operations, right? You know, the mission our commanding general gives us is to train the rotational training unit to win the first battle of the next war. And we think that's going to be large-scale combat operations. There's obvious differences between LISCO, you know, the acronym uh, for large-scale combat operations, and what many of us grew up training for and executing with counterinsurgency operations, uh, which was stability heavy, even more so with the Civil Affairs Regiment, because many of us were out doing phase zero type of operations outside of conflict zones all throughout the world. So there's a bit of a learning curve here that we all have to get used to, including myself. But it's important to remember that we can't throw away the lessons that we learned, whether it's in COIN or in those phase zero operations. You know, brigades must consolidate gains in their area of operation, and that requires a certain amount of acumen for stability operations. And when that area of operations includes population centers, civil affairs has a responsibility to consolidate gains around those areas. That doesn't start after those population centers are seized either. We need to get ahead of that challenge and incorporate it as a sequel plan to any operation. We really hear stress civil network development, civil network engagement, and civil knowledge integration from day one of RSONI. We encourage civil affairs forces to go be the eyes and ears of the brigade in the civil component in order to identify civil networks and gain information that can be used to enhance the commander's decision-making process, enable better command and control overall, and inform the brigade's other warfighting functions. You know, here at NTC, there are two population centers well within 10 kilometers of LSA Santa Fe, which is the LSA that every brigade executes RSO and I out of. The people who live in those towns have relatives and associates throughout the box, right? That training area that you're about to go fight in. But it's surprising how few units work to get out to those places and try to identify useful networks to enable the brigade's operations and then integrate that knowledge into the brigade's plans and targeting. But it can all be done during RSO&I, or at least as soon as we get the role players in, which is usually about day three of RSO&I. We have to note that LISCO also throws some wrinkles into civil affairs operations that COIN usually didn't, or not to the same degree. Few of us have operated on the hyper-violent and fast-paced battlefield that we're going to face large-scale combat operations. And this is where we have to start really focusing. Commanders will value our contributions when we are mitigating risk and civil friction for them on the battlefield, where survival is genuinely hard. We as a regiment cannot be anchors slowing down the fight. Our maneuver brothers and sisters will cut us loose because they can't afford to be slowed down. Instead, we need to get used to being integrated early with the planning process. If our CMOCs and our CATs aren't integrated with their supported organizations from receipt of mission on, it's going to be difficult to catch up and commanders are not going to be waiting for us. So then that leads us to having to understand where the civil environment is going to cause friction for our commander's plan and work hard to mitigate it. That might be internally displaced people flowing across the four line of troops that could disrupt maneuver, or it might be uh, executing active populist control measures in urban areas to separate civilians from military forces so that we can regenerate combat power after a hard win fight. You can't be reactive in those situations, especially not in large scale combat operations. The plan must be made, resourced, and have defined triggers before the maneuver force ever crosses a line of departure. Then it needs to be monitored and adjusted as the conditions on the ground change. I think when we can get to do that as a force, regardless of what part of the civil affairs regiment we're talking about, then we're going to be valued members of any team, whether it's a brigade combat team, a division, uh, or some higher echelon. Yeah, Major Burns, I, that's great points. Um, Large-scale combat operations is going to be dirty, uh, very, very dirty. And um, I just went through some a CLS course again, and what they're talking about just for the medical aspect is um, prepare to operate independently and on our own for multiple days at a time, maybe upwards of a week to try to figure out what are all the medical requirements that you would need to self-sustain and keep people alive without getting them to roll to and so on. The same thing would probably happen to civil affairs and different IRC uh, soldiers and, and troops. Um, so yeah, that's a big deal. Um, Great point about using that time during RSO and I to get out to those towns and talk to civilians. That requires a lot, uh, a lot of preparation, ensuring you can actually shoot, move, and communicate during that time. 
separate from the the battalion or brigade or coordinating with them about where you're going and why you're doing it. But yeah, absolutely. If, if units rotating through can take advantage of that time, then they'll be uh, a lot more successful than normal. And I, I'm wondering if you could frame for listeners who are preparing to go to NTC what success may look like, because you're not going to go to this uh, massive training environment and think that you're going to solve all the problems for these civilians who are role players living in these towns. That's not the point of it. It's to exercise your systems and processes and make mistakes and learn from them as quickly as you can. I guess my question is, what do you think uh, a CA soldier who's going to come in for the first time and think, man, I need to solve that water problem for this local person, or I need to get them food. I need to get them humanitarian aid and get them out of the area. It's not for them, right? It's for the maneuver battalion and maneuver brigade for whatever their desired end state is. But what does success look like for you in your guidance to these RTUs? Yeah, great. Absolutely great question. Uh, because you know, the nice thing about Ghost Team is not only are we OCTs, but we design the part of the scenario in which the RTU will fight in the information environment. And so uh, I know what we're looking for because you know our team is the one who kind of sets those measures. Um, and, and first and foremost, let me say you're right. We're warfighters in the Civil Affairs Regiment. We're not humanitarians, right? That's not our job. We're not USAID. We're not, not non-government organizations. We're here to fight and win our nation's wars. And we do that uh, by shaping and influencing the civil component of the operating environment. So yeah, do I want that civilian to have the resources they need to you know, survive? I do. But ultimately, the reason I want that is because if they're being taken care of, right, whether we're doing it through some sort of transitional governance uh, or we're leveraging non-government organizations or other government agencies to bring in relief, uh, that helps bring stability to the immediate rear of the brigade. And then it allows to keep the brigade moving. It keeps their lines of communication open. It keeps supplies flowing. It keeps the guns pointed towards the flot and not back into an area they've already cleared. And that's, that's what we're trying to get. And, and you're right, uh, nobody comes here and is successful right off. I would tell you, if you put me back in my company commander billet and I deployed my company here to the National Training Center, knowing everything I know after having been here you know, a little over a year and having helped uh, lead this team, I would still struggle. My company would still struggle to be successful, except especially very early on uh, because NTC is just hard. But at the end of the day, whether you're, you know, a brand new civil affairs specialist or you're the company commander, you really have to start judging success by how well you're enabling that brigade combat team to keep pushing forward and not have to deal with civil friction uh, in their rear area. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't want the, the maneuver uh, brigade commander and staff or, or those battalions to feel like, man, the CA guys just clean up this rear, then we can move forward, but we're being held back. And, and occasionally that happens to force, uh, at times, to force those uh, maneuver commanders to take note of what's happening in their consolidation area and to clean it up. Um, part of the integration that happens is occasionally with the active and reserve component CA units that go through. So do you see that those compos work together at NTC and, and why or why not? Yes, and, and I'm pretty excited about this because uh, just the day before this recording, special operations and conventional civil affairs forces work side by side executing transitional governance activities in a town in the box. Why? Well, the specifics of that very specific operation you know, don't necessarily matter, but in general, it's because the different flavors of civil affairs, the different components, bring slightly different skill sets and possess different attributes and authorities. And oftentimes those defining characteristics complement each other to create a more optimized solution to the civ mill challenges we're gonna face on the modern battlefield. We embrace that here at the National Training Center, we don't ignore it. We design the rotation that when soft and conventional force civil affairs are both on the ground, there is ample opportunity not only to interact, but to enhance effects when working together. That is to say that the scenario is designed to reward a rotational unit that practices soft conventional force interoperability, integration, and interdependence more than an RTU that leaves a wall between them when it comes to civil affairs operations. That's really great to hear. And 
last rotation I went through last August, I think it was in August, 2021, approximately. We were having those engagements, but we'd sometimes come across a guy, a civilian on the battlefield whose name magically would change. He's the same guy, but his name would be different based on whether he was talking to the soft team or the conventional CA team. Are you saying now that those roles, um, have been consolidated so that it's the same person you're talking to if you're collecting information or building out um, a network of, of individuals, the, the CMOC and CKI actually works that way? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the specific thing you're referencing here, uh, we have a limited number of role players. So sometimes you might find a role player uh, with two different names, you know, um, hit the I believe button when you're here, right? Okay. Everybody's got a budget. However, uh, the second part, you are right. So for instance, uh, there's sometimes engagements because the reserve component is normally a larger component of the civil affairs force here at the National Training Center. They have more eyes and ears forward. And especially early in a rotation, uh, they'll be doing civil engagement, civil network development, uh, and they'll meet somebody who based on hopefully the conversations they've already had with the soft element, they'll say, hey, you know what? I think that guy belongs to an organization that maybe these guys, our soft brothers and sisters, might have an interest in. And so leveraging the much larger mass of reserve component forces that'll be here, they'll be the eyes and ears, but occasionally they'll find that, that person who's kind of you know a golden nugget that could be passed over to the soft side. And then I'm not gonna give away the secrets here, but the scenario is designed that being able to leverage that person and letting the soft side leverage that person could actually make your life easier, you know, further on in the rotation. Not too much easier. It's still going to be hard. It's the National Training Center, yeah. uh, but it might it might contribute to consolidating gains. And that's actually what we saw the day before this this recording happened. Um, but yeah, I, again, come and find out and play through it, and then uh, you'll see how it works out. Oh, that's great. A couple more questions here. I want to talk about um, next the, the cadre and the um, guidance they provide, so that observer, coach, trainer, the, the training part of this, and the oftentimes the foot stomping of, hey guys, if you haven't integrated with your supported unit, you should go over there and meet with them. You should be part of their operations process and their MDMP and ensuring your communication systems are up and running and then talk to each other. Uh, also the operations process to task organize teams to battalions as the fight progresses throughout the, ro the rotation. And to your point about the integration, not only between active and, and reserve CA, but all these other uh, IRCs to not hold on to information. That doesn't help anyone just to think that I've got the data. I've got this baseball card about somebody I just met. Uh, you need to share that widely. And ensuring those reports and data uh, are shared with the S9 of whoever you're supporting in the non-lethal targeting cell. So given all that um, and the guidance that you provide to your OCTs, what would you say are the areas that most CA units should emphasize for success? Yeah, so the theme of integration that you mentioned is dead on accurate. And I'm gonna talk about the very things you've listed. What I think is really interesting about this topic is that it's not the civil affairs specific stuff that trips up civil affairs companies, right? At the end of the day, what we do is civil affairs officers and non-commissioned officers and specialists isn't the hardest, most technical thing on the battlefield, right? Oftentimes we're talking to people, we're writing about it, we're sharing that information uh, and we're building relationships. Most of us are pretty good at that. That's why we became civil, we went civil affairs. But it's sometimes the more basic things uh, that trip us up when we get here. So first we've got to show up ready to go. We must send our best people on the advanced party. When main body hits the ground, they can't be wasting time trying to figure out the program. I mean, I've seen occasionally units not even show up day one of RSO and I, but day two. And I will tell you, it sets them so far behind because they didn't send an advon and they didn't even show up on time to the fight. That doesn't happen often, but I've seen it. You know, we've got to send the best supply sergeant on advon. We've got to send the best commo sergeant we can find on advon. And we have to send a pretty talented member of the CMOC who can integrate with the brigade staff from a receipt of mission on. 
when Advan hits the ground, uh, we have to get those vehicles into the supported brigades GCSS Army hierarchy. Why? Because your vehicles are going to break out here, right? It's some of the harshest terrain you're going to train on under pretty pretty harsh uh, conditions, especially during the summer. If your vehicles aren't showing up on the equipment status report, parts aren't going to get ordered or installed. Why? And this is something that I didn't even learn until I was a company commander, because the ESR, the equipment status report, is what commanders look at. If a brigade or battalion commander sees a vehicle on that report that doesn't have parts ordered against it or that has parts on hand but not installed, they're going to do their part to motivate the right people to get it done. If you don't have that level of commander focus, your vehicles aren't going to be fully mission capable and you and your teams are going to be left behind in some tactical assembly area somewhere. Because again, if you're an anchor, you're going to be left behind. Another thing, get your communications up and validated as part of the brigade's comex. This actually starts well before Advan, though. You need to come with the comms package that matches the brigade's pace plan as closely as possible. And I understand not all of our units are going to have that robust of a, of a package. You're only going to know what that equipment is after actively engaging the brigade's S6 many months out. And if you're missing the right equipment, you've got to work with your battalion, your brigade, or even your KCOM 6 to get it and get it working. That's just going to be critical so that you can communicate. Then ensure you've got the right person on the ground to get it operational well before it's time to cross the line of departure. HF, JBCP, Singars, Sipper, and Nipper laptops are all things you need to bring to the modern fight. Finally, you know, to that talented captain or major from the CMOC, they've got to get there on Advan and have them integrate with the staff. When the main body arrives, the CMOC member better be a trusted member of the brigade staff. He or she has already dug into mission analysis, figured out all the warfighting functions and staff sections that, that company can bring value to. I think you almost want that person so endeared to the brigade staff that you're fighting the brigade commander or the brigade XO to make sure they can actually come back and be part of your organization, uh, or at least you know live between the two organizations. You know, being able to walk between the operations center and the CMOC, filling that gap. That's what you want. If you can do those three things having a great supply sergeant on the ground, a great comm sergeant, and that CMOC member coming in on Advan, that's a mission-critical investment that will pay dividends throughout the company's time at NTC. Yeah, great points. Um, I've seen that work effectively, and so much to the point where human teams and the ops officer, um, intel staff, whoever you got in the S S9 as well, certainly, but they're coming over to the CA element that's uh, often co-located with Brigade, if it's uh, the, the headquarters element from that company, teams typically tasked out to those battalions. But yeah, they're, they're often coming by like, hey, uh, by the way, we've got a meeting. Uh, make sure that's on your radar. We've got questions we need you guys to, to help us out with something, planning this next mission. And um, yeah, being plugged in and knowing that rotation, knowing the op tempo, the battle rhythm of that brigade is a huge, huge deal. Um, what would you say, though, about integration with the other IRCs for a CA unit to be successful, what do they have to do in coordination with the PSYOP, PAO, and those other sections? So coordination there is obviously important. So I think I said this earlier, but one thing I really like to tell the IRCs uh, as a whole when I brief them during RSO&I is that we need to combine arms in the information environment. So I'm a civil affairs officer, right? I believe in our mission, what we do, and I think we can do great things as a regiment. But I know that when you bring civil affairs, psyops, and other IRCs together, we are greater than the sum of our individual parts, right? We produce you know, higher level results. So how do we do that? So first and foremost, we need to have a process for integrating those. And how we do that here at the National Training Center, or at least how we coach to do that, is through the Information Operations Working Group, right? Somebody, first of all, within the brigade staff needs to be designated the chief of IO right, or the IO coordinator for the brigade. And they bring all of these IRCs together to start coming up with plans to understand uh, how A, we're going to try to affect the enemy, right? How the brigade is going to execute maneuver to affect that enemy. And then how we can bring to bear our capabilities to enhance that brigade's maneuver, right? Because at the end yep. of the day, again, we're warfighters. We're not humanitarians out here. Uh, we are trying to enable that brigade to fight and win better than if we weren't here. 
so you, you usually do this through the information operations working group, which you want to happen prior to the targeting working group because your outputs from the information operations working group need to be the inputs into that targeting working group for the most part. A lot of these things are gonna be done as targets uh, that will then be resourced and executed if they make it through that process. Some of those things aren't gonna necessarily be targets, but they will go into other plans, right? They'll get into the plans process and you'll help determine courses of action uh, for the next objective based on that. So that IOWG and having that IO coordinator identified are gonna be the key to bringing all those folks together. Another thing though I wanna say about that, the IOWG is not, not really where the sausage is made, as people say, right? That's where we all come together and agree and prioritize what we wanna do. Uh, I see often civil affairs and PSYOP because oftentimes they're wearing the same use of KPOC patch are pretty comfortable hanging out together, building relationships you know, within that team uh, and are pretty effective at saying, hey, this is how I think we can help each other produce better results. Sometimes it's a little harder when people don't have that use of KPOC patch on, right? Or that first special forces command patch. And we, uh, you know, we've got to actively build those relationships. And sometimes it's not even going to be with other IRCs. Sometimes it's going to be with, and, and often it should be, with the S2, right? Or the S3. So we understand what operations are going to happen uh, and against what enemy that's utilizing, you know, what order of battle and what set. Uh, yeah. So, you know, doing what we do is civil affairs, building relationships. That's the implied task in there that I'll specify, you know, for the sake of, of everybody being on the same page, but that's how yeah. we do it. Yeah, that's, that's good. And knowing that stuff, 48, 72 hours, 96 hours in advance, so you can plan and task organize in the ops process for um, teams to, to go out to those battalions and be in the right place, skate to where the puck is, I guess. So you talked about this a little bit already, but I wanted to see if you have any other comments about the best ways for CA units to prepare for rotation and it could be just CA specific, like a reserve component CA unit, knowing who the active component team will be there, the, the calls, the planning meetings that they have to attend in preparation for an NCC rotation with the active component unit they're supporting, or just the kind of stuff that they need to do at home station uh, to prepare to shoot, move, and communicate. So yeah, any other tips you'd have for them to prepare? No secrets here, and I think I've already alluded to this get the basics taken care of first, right? First things first, licensed crews who are trained and proficient to drive day or night and using night vision goggles are mandatory out here. This is yeah. no fail mission for commanders. You know, during your train up, you got to get this done. You're not going to keep up with the world's best mounted warriors and some of the world's harshest terrain and weather if you can't operate your vehicle safely. Enough said on that. Second, know how to use your equipment, especially your communications equipment you must know how to program, encrypt, troubleshoot your radios and daggers. And I would be remiss if I didn't recommend that you're taking advantage of Space Missile Defense Command's home station training packages to learn how to operate in a denied, degraded, and disrupted space operating environment. I forget the exact number, but within a brigade combat team, there's thousands of systems that are space-enabled, utilizing GPS and satellites. Many people don't recognize that as a basic yet, but in LISCO, under multi-domain operations, it is. Space is a warfighting domain. So is the electromagnetic uh, spectrum. Uh, while Ghost Team has subject matter experts on these topics, if at all possible, you don't want to wait until arriving here to get that valuable training. But if you can't fill it in, especially on some of that uh, you know, operating in denied, degraded, and disrupted space operating environment, we can help you here and we will. Finally, understand MDMP and how to integrate civil affairs and civil military operations with a maneuver force, in this case, the brigade combat team. Part of that, you gotta know what a brigade combat team is. Read FM 3-96, the brigade combat team, so you know what the organization you are supporting is, what its capabilities it brings to the fight are. It's okay not to know right now, I got it. You know, before I was an OCT here, I hadn't even thought about a brigade combat team since, since 2009. I mean, I'm an Indo-PACOM aligned civil affairs officer, who has spent most of his time in embassies and on Navy ships, right? No BCTs in sight. I understand that many of 1CA podcast listeners have spent their time on more exotic deployments as well. But before you come to the National Training Center, you need to understand what a BCT is, what mission it has, and what it is comprised of so that you know how you can apply your craft to support it. Thank you so much.
I'm wondering if we could close this conversation with a recruitment pitch. So can you tell listeners why they should consider volunteering to be an OCT for, for one or more rotations, like what's typically involved and uh, yeah, basically why they should do it? Yeah, so 100%. Uh, we live or die by our OCTs. We don't got them. Nobody's going to be training here. So for civil affairs officers or NCOs, NTC is the place to become an expert at your craft. You get to see civil affairs units come through every rotation and work through the most challenging collective training event the Army has to offer. Whether you realize it or not at the time, it changes you. You internalize the lessons that you're often helping reveal to the unit you're partnered with. Also, being an OCT here is a service to the Civil Affairs Regiment. You're building the regiment. Civil Affairs companies cannot train without OCTs who have the requisite experience and strength of file to qualify. Volunteering to be an OCT at the National Training Center is an investment in the Civil Affairs Regiment and your Army. You'll provide the training that will enable Civil Affairs soldiers to secure the victory of the next war. Finally, Ghost Team is a pretty cool team to be a part of. Our team has professionals from civil affairs, information operations, PSYOP, space, public affairs, and electronic warfare. You can round out your skills as a soldier prepared to fight on the modern battlefield while being part of a pretty tight-knit and well-respected team that draws from both active duty and the reserves. And I want to highlight that. We're proud of our multi-compo flavor. That's not something we try to, we try to shy away from. Whether active or reserve, you matter on this team. In fact, our team executive officer, Major Jeff White, is an Army reservist serving on ADOS orders, right? He's in the leadership of our team. So if you're an active duty officer NCO, talk to your branch manager and see what options are out there for coming here. And if you're an Army reservist, get on a tour of duty and fill out your application. I and the rest of the team can't wait to meet you. And I'll close that by saying you've got a kick-ass logo, which is really cool to wear. Major John Burns of the Ghost Team National Training Center, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Again, I'm a longtime listener. I really value what the 1CA podcast brings to the regiment, the level of discussion. So uh, anything I can do for anybody, they can feel free to reach out to me. You can put my my contact information in the show notes. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting other members of Ghost Team for the National Training Center. There's some RTU who have rotated through here onto the podcast so that we can continue this conversation and how we train, you know, not just the Civil Affairs Regiment, but our Army to win the first battle of the next war. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a good time in the desert. We'll go. Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of 1CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory. In civil affairs, your success depends on getting the right information to the right people at the right time. Whether it's foundational information for a team about to head out on a mission or putting together a map or other data visualization to brief a general or an ambassador, Tesla Government Solutions and staff can help. With Tesla Government's Knowledge Management Solutions, you're adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. LC38brand.com, the civil affairs lifestyle brand. A little bit of something for everybody. T-shirts, polos, shorts, hats, flags and posters for your walls, and stickers for everything else. Celebrating the heritage of civil affairs from the civil reconnaissance of Lewis and Clark through the monuments men of World War II and companies of Vietnam. Representing the present teams of the Global War on Terror, we have items for citizen soldiers of USA KPOC and warrior diplomats at Fort Bragg alike. LC38brand.com. It's cool to like your job.